Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? We are live with Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 205. Kyle Bennett, Matt Castorina coming at you live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, who just continues to get sneakers upon sneakers upon sneakers. Check them out if you are in the South Jersey area. Uh, they've got a ton of sneaker releases coming in the next month. Uh, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novig Onimo, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course, our pals at Design Tree. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream. A very wet dream today. <laughs> it is uh, a, an old school version of a Saturday show. Lots of Sixers and Flyers news, and uh, an NFC East quarterback has finally hung up the cleats. But it's a Sixers Saturday, and the biggest news we got outside of us breaking down the loss to the Raptors, is that Joel Embiid practiced in full yesterday. And uh, that's a, a fantastic sign. Looks like he's kind of on the mend and should be back soon, which, you know, everybody knows this team is better with Joel Embiid. Well, I think most people should know. True. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny, though. We're, we're getting Embiid back, and Josh Richardson is walking out the door again for probably another month uh, with his hamstring issue. And... Just again, lending to the idea that the Sixers have not been able to put out a consistent starting five, or really their ideal consistent starting five, uh, really at all this season. It's it's really bizarre and uh, just a little unlucky. BMB uh, aiming to be back next week, which is great. Uh, not great for tonight against the Lakers, seeing as you're going to be missing Embiid and Richardson. That's gonna that's gonna make things obviously a lot more difficult. But yeah, it's good, you know. And we were talking a little bit about his timeline coming back and we were even thinking you know right before the all-star break but now if you get him back you know midweek or late next week you know he'll, he'll be able to get into rhythm for some really difficult games leading into that all-star break and able to get him back uh kind of into into game shape and you know absolutely we're going to be depending on him because i think it's safe to say this team has missed him and now with another starter out of the lineup for uh, an extended period of time to get Embiid back at least softens that blow a little bit. Uh, at least he's not going to be out another two weeks. Then you'd really start sweating. Uh, you know, at least hopefully we have him available for that really tough stretch of games that we have coming up. And it makes the bench a little bit deeper in terms of you're not playing all of your big men now. Um, it'll mostly just be Embiid and Horford. And then probably, you know, you'll see some Kylo Quinn because who knows what is going down with Norvell Pell now with his, uh, you know, two-way contract and everything. But... Embiid coming back is a, a fantastic thing for this team. And like you said, they've missed him. And, you know, this Raptors game was a, another point of evidence to that. Obviously, Josh Richardson goes down uh, just four minutes into the game and doesn't come back. We talked about that live on the Wednesday show when you saw that he was out. 
Um, and the Sixers end up losing this 107-95 when it seemed early on they had a, a pretty good grasp on this game. They finished the first quarter up 11 points, or uh, up 9 points, and then the second quarter everything kind of just fell apart. Yeah, as this game wore on, I think you saw some of that the depth issues surface again for the Sixers and that the bench has really not been performing well. Um you know, you have Shake Milton coming in and he's barely played at all this season, so kind of thrusting him into one of the most difficult matchups you can get in terms of playing the Raptors on the road, that's obviously never going to go well. Um, you're already missing Embiid, you lose Richardson, and you know, it's one thing, and I think we talk about this a lot in sports, it's one thing to lose a guy before the game, right? But when you lose him four minutes in, that really, you've game planned to have mm-hmm. Josh Richardson, now you have to make a, a pretty big adjustment. Um, and with Embiid out, he's been one of the guys that has been stepped up production and minutes I mean he plays you know between 30 and 35 minutes a night that's a really big gap to fill especially on the fly you know if you have a few days to prepare for that whatever you can kind of make your deal and in your peace with it but it was a rough game um you know it, obviously don't want to lose but we also said two and one on a road trip would actually be good for mm-hmm. the Sixers and it and that's what it turned out to be you know it, it doesn't feel great obviously losing and especially the Raptors when you know two through six in the east is so tight right now you want to win every matchup you can with those teams but um you know i I think there's a lot of mitigating factors that go into this loss and you know you kept it competitive against a team that's also very good um that has also had their own injury struggles this year and is finally starting to get healthy again so i think raptors would know what it's like to to be missing two starters and you know i i think that's for me, I, I kind of move on with the loss because of that, because it's like, all right, you know, you didn't have Embiid to start with. You lose Richardson halfway through, not even halfway through. Um, and this team's bench has been uh, a, a real sore spot for, for most of this season, you know. And so it's it wasn't overly surprising to, to see a loss. Now, we did get points from the T-Stiebel in this game, more than what we've seen, which is a good sign. And Furkan Korkmaz just continues to be very good and that's what this team needs um some concerns i've seen though from people uh whether it's on twitter just reading articles is that a lot of these guys and sure like the depth issues kind of play into it but like ben simmons tobias harris playing the amount of minutes they are right now is quite lengthy yeah I'll be honest, Ben, it doesn't worry me too much because he's young and it seems like in incredibly good shape. I mean, everyone's in incredibly good shape. Um, obviously, it's not an ideal situation that you want to be playing him. You know, he's playing 38 minutes and above almost every night recently. Um, but, yeah, part of that is Embiid being out and, and part of that is just the bench has not been stepping up. And mm-hmm. what's strange is that, you know, a lot of these, like, bench pieces have been getting really reduced minutes. You, know, you have, like, James Ennis playing four or five minutes a night now. Mike Scott has sort of seen reduced minutes here and there, um, you know, in, in a few games. And, you know, you've barely seen Trey Burke again. I don't know what the deal with that is. Um, yeah, and, you know, there's just not a whole lot of options. And, and part of the reason Ben, I think, especially gets is because there's no really other primary ball handler on this team. Um, besides Trey Burke, which again I don't, I don't know. Uh, and you have, you even have Mario Shayak. If you want to give like a young guy a look, he's he's played well uh, in mm-hmm. Delaware this season. It's not like give him a shot. I don't know. Um, yeah, this team I think could use some kind of spark, and I think a, a little injection of just some some good energy and morale. And um, but you know it, it was a decent road trip. You know again you go two and one. That's way better than you've been performing on the road all season. You beat two teams you should have beat. You lose to the Raptors, move on with that, whatever. 
Um, but yeah, you know, the, the high minutes for some of your star players is concerning. Um, and the fact that the bench guys have not been able to bridge any of that gap at all is also concerning. And it's a big question mark right now on Brett Brown about his usage of these bench pieces because there there's talent here. It's not like this is an untalented team, but you know, leaning so heavily on the starters is, uh, I, I, I don't know. You know, you, you certainly can. This isn't like the deepest team in the league. We don't have the best bench, of course, but you can lean on these guys, and you mm-hmm. should because you, you're you going to have to. You're going to have to figure out who's made for the playoffs and who's not. And frankly, the, the big concern for me is, yeah, you know, we talk about Freke and Korkmaz, and he's been, he's been pretty good this year, but that's not a guy that in the playoffs is – really someone you can count on we know defensively he's not good he's gonna get attacked and he's been someone too that has been inconsistent this season he's in a hot you know two weeks zone right now but we've seen him go a month without playing very well and that's you know he's young he as a a rotational player you're always going to kind of go through ebbs and flows but you know if this whole team's focus is on the playoffs and performing well in it and you gotta get there first you got you gotta get there first but you, you you know you want to make sure that you're going to the playoffs in sort of your, your best shape and knowing who your best players and contenders are. And James Ennis last year in the playoffs was a great piece for the Sixers. And this year, he's been really bad the past month and a half. And uh, I I don't think playing him four minutes a night is going to get him out of that. And I'm not sure that Furkan is someone that is more dependable come playoff time than James Ennis. But who knows at this point. But um, yeah, they, they, there needs to be some uh, some more, uh, I guess, distribution of the minutes here, and you know we'll also see what happens with any trades and any buyouts. That's still obviously in the, in the back or really the front of everyone's minds now as we get closer. How many of these guys on this team from this bench do you think end up surviving the trade deadline? You know, we talk about all these trade machine things, but a lot of these pieces are going to have to either be you know released and put on waivers or they're going to be part of these trades how different do you think this bench is going to look come post you know the february trade deadline it's hard to say right because you don't know concretely like who we're Mm -hmm. actually interested in and it also depends on who we're actually interested whether or not bench is going to be enough because the biggest thing with the sixers is we know that they're in a pretty weird contract situation and aren't really trying to pay the lecture tax this year but are looking to be paying quite a hefty one going forward so any big moves would have to involve a starter because our, our bench pieces are pretty low paid. You know, you have like Mike Scott on like four or five million, you know, and, and outside of that, there's really like you have to, you're going to have to match salaries and that's not, you're not getting that from the bench. So mm-hmm. obviously Horford's been someone that has been thrown in like a, a ton of trades, obviously even Tobias occasionally, even Josh Richardson, came. good luck, you know, luck trading now. him now, of course. But um, yeah, I, I would say, the guys most in danger of being moved is someone like Mike Scott, maybe James Ennis. I think Thibel, they'll at least listen, you know, or if there's someone they're really interested in and, and Thibel's a, a big piece of that, that's someone I don't think it's considered untouchable right now. I personally don't want to move Thibel. I think he's he's a great rookie. You need a guy like him. And he's he's on a, a really really cheap deal, obviously, right? So like getting praise from Steve Nash this week, like about how good of a player he can be. You want to keep someone like that around, and again, for a team moving forward that's going to be paying a lot of the luxury tax, having a cost controlled rookie contract is really really valuable. And you know why 
sell now if, you know, let's say in the future we do want to trade Thabo, you still have time to do that, and he's still on this cost-controlled contract. Like, you don't need to, to, to rush so quickly, and I think he's someone that has shown to be a real net positive for this team overall. Um, but yeah, I think Mike Scott is one of the, the more in-danger ones, just because of his contract uh, terms. Um, he would be like a throw-in or, or something like that, um, and I just think he's frankly been underperforming, uh, you know, for, for a large part of this year, and you know, it's, it sucks to say. Obviously, we love Mike Scott, but uh, he he seems to to me at least someone that is might be the most expendable on this roster right now. And I think the thing with James Ennis is a lot of people throw him in these you know trade machine deals and stuff like that, but he also has a no trade clause, so he would have to waive that no trade clause in yes. order to be moved. And he was very adamant on staying in Philly. He had mm-hmm. other offers from other places, so took less money to be here. So he. And again, you also have to consider that there's an organizational health aspect to this where, yes, we all, we didn't like the Horford contract when it was signed. We don't like it now. Trading a guy you just signed to a, a max deal six months into it is is just not good for optics in this league. And I think we even touched on this you know, last time out that, you know, a team like the Sixers that have always struggled to sign free agents, you find you sign a quote-unquote big one and you trade them not even a full season later. Like, that's just not great for 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 going forward mm-hmm. and you know we'll see how they navigate that i i think you know we've been linked to like guys like gallinari bogdanovich now like i just don't see those things happening and i'm not sure there are any better fits for the sixers theoretically um and you'd be again detonating the starting lineup again because to trade for those guys you'd have to move for there's really no other way to do it um and I, I just don't I, I don't know that that's the way. So I think we're looking at like fringe guys and potential buyouts. I don't think there's a big move on the cards for the Sixers, even though they've certainly been uh, willing to, when they see a guy that they like and value, go for him. We saw it last year with Tobias. That, that was one that was really out of the blue, and they gave up a lot to get him. Um, but I, I just don't see it on the cards really this year. And I, I think also you have to give this team a year to, to try. Like what, you know... It, it to give to not it wouldn't be giving up, but to, to kind of blow it up late January, early February into like the the newest you know rendition. term rendition of of this Sixers team, I just think would be you know you need to have consistency mm-hmm. across the organization. And yes, there are some obvious weaknesses with this roster, and and things could be better. But at the same time, I, I think to just move it up again, like you, you're starting to teeter on like being a, a Kings level team mm-hmm. where it's like stick with a plan you know and we didn't know what the plan was this summer you know even going back to last year when you trade for jimmy and aren't able to re-sign him when you trade for tobias and give up landry and overpay tobias in the summer like there's we're not entirely sure that there is a great plan there for the sixers and there's been questions about you know how much is elton brand how much is it by committee whatever um but i I think right now I, I just think disturbing at all isn't going to get you any better. I, I really don't. I don't think Bogdanovich on this team makes you that much better. I think I don't think Gallinari on the team makes you that much better. I, and all it does, I think, is in the long run might actually make you a weaker team because you, you the Sixers organization is going to outlive this iteration mm-hmm. of players. And if you, it's really hard to shake, especially in where the, where the league is now, where stars have all the power. They are happy to request trades. They're happy to go to places where they know they're going to be taken care of and draw other stars to them. If you get that moniker of being a team that's either hard to work with, difficult to work with, trades its stars, doesn't value its stars, 
good luck <laughs> because this league is clearly trending towards very player focused and if you get that moniker it's very hard to shake off and, and there are there are teams that they can't attract free agents because in the past they've made those types of mistakes yeah and i think the biggest thing too with all these trade rumors and everything is like like you said with the jimmy trade we talked about this on wednesday we saw did not see that coming at all it came out of nowhere the tobias trade happened at like 2 a.m uh you know east coast time didn't see that happening all of these leaked trade rumors for the sixers seem very not all pun intended on brand for them um because they typically don't leak this kind of stuff it's it's very similar to the phillies where trades and stuff don't get leaked free agent signings don't get leaked and for all of these to just in a row like six or six or sixers being tagged with all of these guys is very strange to me yeah i mean outside of matisse steibel i can't think of a time where we've really like uh shown in big neon lights like what our plan is and even Thibault I think there was still like oh there's a team that's already promised him and everyone can kind of just draw conclusions mm-hmm. that it was probably the Sixers um but yeah I mean like you said we we're not a team that has historically been loose-lipped with these kinds of things um really I don't think any Philly team is is loose-lipped there's there's no one that I think you can that oh this guy reported it must be happening and it's almost the exact opposite where you have some of these Philly reporters report things and it's like that didn't come true. Like, you literally had a whole piece on Jimmy Butler returning mm-hmm. to the Sixers last year, right before free agency, and how it was going to work, and they were going to pay him and all this, and, you know, an hour into free agency, he's in Miami. You know, like, it's just, we've never been a team, I, I don't think, that has had this type of, uh, any type of rumors and stuff, and you have to understand that a team that is trying to sell high on someone like Gallinari might be interested in, you know, fluffing up his trade value all those types of things but um yeah it's it's a complicated time for the Sixers right now now of course everybody's uh Sixers Twitter darling Alec Burks is the talk of the town um and the Warriors obviously traded Willie Cauley-Stein last night to the Mavericks so it seems like they are open for business second round pick too which we have good second round of, picks. which is a, a positive too for this team if they do want to make trades and you know you have you know cuttable contracts like Neto, like Jonah Bolden, those kind of deals that aren't really going to fluff much up, and you can kind of just cut that dead weight. Um, what are your thoughts on Twitter, Sixers Twitter darling Alec Burks? He's, my yeah. issue with it is that we already have someone like him in Trey Burke that doesn't get played. You know, it's one thing for us to say Alec Burks would look good on this team, right? And there's question marks about his like actual like overall ability, right? And his ability to play in the playoffs mm-hmm. as well. This is important for this team. It's one thing to have Alec Burks for the regular season and yes, it would be nice to have someone like him, you know, every now and again, you know, plays really well once or twice a week and maybe wins you a few games because of his good bench performance. But is that a guy that we need guys that can compete at a, on a championship level, and I'm, I'm just not really convinced of his ability to do that. Um, obviously, he'd be at a cut rate price, which is good for the Sixers considering their asset situation. But for me, he's not—he's someone that helps in the short term, right? He—he's going to help us get to April if you do acquire him. But he's not someone I see contributing outside of the first round of the playoffs. And even then, depending on where we were seated, this might not even be a guy that gets a whole lot of minutes in the first round of the playoffs. Um, if we get up to a two or three seed and you're playing the Magic or the Nets or something like that, yes. But if you're, I mean, it, right now, if, if you're playing, you know, one of these top teams, I, I don't see it happening. Yeah, and he's also a guy that is playing on a bad team 
And you look at a lot of these guys that are, you know, rumored to be traded, they're kind of stat padding just on bad teams because they are bad. Like, they're getting a lot more playing time than they would on a team like the Sixers or on a team in the top six in the Eastern Conference because they're playing on a team like the Warriors, who who would have thought we'd say the Warriors were bad at this time, you know, until everything blew up with them. But they're not a good team. They're tearing it down and kind of building up, waiting for Steph and Clay to come back. But, you know... Alec Burks isn't going to get the same amount of playing time here that he does in Golden State. No, and he he doesn't he wouldn't have the same type of role either. You know, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be someone that's going to see a ton of the ball. I you know the good thing about the Sixers' current like roster construction is that you can take a risk on someone like Burks and say you know we have like the defensive pieces to kind of allow someone like that to work in a system because we we do have such switchable versatile defenders and we have such a, a great like core of defense already. Um, and that's why, like, I, I'm okay with, like, let's see more of Trey Burke. Even Helen Neto. Like, he's not someone that is a great defensive player, but you can afford to give him minutes because this team has it. And that's, I, I just, I, I this this team needs a, to do a lot of good drafting going forward because it, it hasn't really done it outside of the obvious picks like Ben and Joel, of course, right? Like, Furkan is an okay pick for, for where we got. Thibault, I think, is shown to be good value. If you go, you know, Landry, obviously not with the team anymore, but good pick there. You need to consistently hit like that because, you know, depending on free agency, depending on, you know, picking up guys on the cheap for second rounders, these guys that bounce around on a new team every year, they're not... That's not really moving the needle for where the Sixers want to be going forward. And you, you have to hope that there's a, a clear plan and going forward, especially for this draft and the next one where, you know, you can really settle in and, and make a, some, some really strong picks. And the second round is going to be important for the Sixers going forward, too. You know, they don't have the first this year. Second is obviously two things. One, you have a ton of second round picks from some bad teams. And two, second round picks, their their contracts are really, really beneficial to teams that are going to be paying high luxury tax. So um, obviously everyone's focus right now is on buyouts and trades and stuff and these, these smaller deals. But for the actual health and growth of the Sixers, you need second round picks to be hitting in the future. And it was that's why I think it was so disconcerting this past draft when they sort of, you know, you know, to click their tongue at, at any sort of idea of yeah. drafting in the second round. Um, not that like Carson Edwards makes a difference with this team, right? But you know, it's depth. Take a risk, right? And and even now you have some like Shayok, like take a risk with him. Like why? Like I I don't really get the point of just keeping him to the G League. It's not like baseball where you bring these guys up and then you know you, that messes with their time of service and maybe you have to pay him more down the line. Like just bring him up. Mm-hmm. Like. Hey, why not? I, I don't think this team has all that much to lose right now in the sense of, well, we can't really afford to play Shayok right now. Like, why not? What? Where's Trey Burke? I've been asking this for weeks. I just don't get it. Um, you know, Zaire was also recalled, so we'll see what happens there. I saw one of the worst takes on Twitter yesterday saying that uh, the time starts now for Zaire Smith. The dude's 20 years old. Like, calm down a little bit there. Um, but other Sixers news before we get into the Lakers game, Joel Embiid third straight all-star game named as a starter uh longest streak for a sixer since Allen Iverson who uh was named seven straight times I believe this is a guy who put out that player's tribune article almost gave up playing basketball before he even started so to see Joel being named to his third straight all-star game as a starter is pretty damn impressive yeah I mean it's it's like obviously good for the sixers you want to have constant recognition of your stars and 
it's a, a good sign again when you're talking about free agency, when you talk about trades, when you talk about wanting guys to come here, and when you have consistent all-stars that you can offer up as saying, hey, come play with Joel Embiid, come play with Ben Simmons. Like That's really important, and um, Ben should be someone that is also making the all-star team as well. So hopefully you have two all-stars again. That's obviously great uh, moving forward for this team. Now, Ben, not named to the initial starters list. Yeah. Should get in with the like the coaches. Do you think that you know puts a little added motivation to him knowing from what we know from the outside looking at Ben, he is uh, somewhat accolade driven. It, it motivates him. Obviously, the rookie of the year thing. And um, do you think that's a little not much, but a little extra added motivation for Ben to just continue performing? Not really. I mean, he's he's been someone that uh, last year was on the the coaches pick too. Like he wasn't. So, it's Ben is such a hard read in terms of his like personality and what like actually motivates him and stuff. I don't really question his motivation in terms of you know uh, his like athletic motivation. Um, there's obviously some question marks, and I think there there has to be about his motivation about some of the mechanics of his game. But he's never struck me as like a lazy player. He's never struck like just watch him play. Like he is. Mm-hmm full like sprint the entire time like this dude his defensive effort is unreal he's, he's probably going to be all nba defense he deserves to be it uh this year and you know there's never been a question for me and his motivation in like that aspect some of the the edges of his game maybe right and and whatever that issue is i don't know but i don't know that this is something that's going to motivate him to push his game further um and, and frankly, we've seen the, the past you know week and a half without Embiid, he has stepped his game up when he's he's had to handle the ball more. When he's been more in more in control, he's done that, and that's impressive. Um, and I think we always forget that this guy is still super young. He's 23 years old. He's very likely to be a, a an All Star again. Should be his third All Star appearance. Mm-hmm. Really, he should have made it as a rookie, but this should be his second All Star appearance already. Already mentioned he should be uh, all All NBA defense this year. Like. That's he's twenty three. He's twenty three years old. And by the way, it doesn't matter if we as fans don't have value in him because the Sixers have already signed him his max deal. So like he's here. You, you kind of just have to make your peace with it. It's not like a guy that you know free agency is looming here. What's going to happen with him? Guess what? We're signed into the Ben Simmons experience for five years. I don't know what to tell you. Load up, brother. <laughs> Seriously, like just you got to build a bridge and get over it at this point if you're out on him. So because he is, this organization values him highly. I mean, there's even been rumors that they value him higher than Embiid. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to make your peace with it one way or the other. Do you think Tobias Harris got snubbed? Not really. I, I don't think he's had enough consistency in, like, high-level performance. And, you know, like, the forward position is, is hard mm-hmm. in the East. It's I, I wouldn't say he was a snub. Like, obviously, as a fan, as a Sixers fan, you want to see him make it. But I think it's fair that he didn't make it. I, I, don't, I don't really have too many issues. Big game on deck tonight. Lakers coming to town. LeBron James, 18 points away from uh, surpassing Kobe Bryant in some way or another. Um, last time we saw LeBron take on a, an ambiedless, uh Sixers team, Ben Simmons took it to him, and the Sixers were in the midst of a 16-game winning streak. How do you see this one going down? How do I see this one going down? Is this home or away? This is home. This is home. Okay, well, <laughs> that changes. <laughs> Let's make it a pick <laughs> Um, Well, one, and I say this just as a fan, it is great to have, like, 
uh, a big like I feel like the Sixers and Lakers is like a it's not the biggest rivalry in the NBA right it's not obviously like Lakers Celtics level right it's not like how Golden State and Cleveland kind of had this back and forth the last few years it's it's not there really but it's like it is kind of a storied um kind of a rivalry and you know two kind of powerhouses from especially like the earlier days in the NBA and you know one of our greats is also one of their greats in Will Chamberlain. Like you have these kind of this shared history that I think, and um, I think that's really interesting aspect of it. And obviously the Lakers now are a powerhouse again, which they haven't been for a long time. Um, actual like championship contenders. And yeah, I mean, it's always a big experience when you have, uh, you know, one of the, let's, let's be frank. The Lakers are one of the biggest teams, you know, in sports. North American sports, even globally, right? They're a very recognizable team. So um, it's always fun as a fan to watch those types of games and you want them to mean something. And this means something like for so long when we were tanking games didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Now you're playing the big boys and you know, you want to show your best ability against them, and that is really exciting. Cheapest ticket tonight on the secondary market uh, with an actual seat for two tickets, $226 each. Good Lord. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a, a big test in terms of just playing against a, a playoff team. Lakers don't even have double-digit losses yet. Um, obviously, it's LeBron James. Anthony Davis is back. This is going to put this team's, you know, just mental toughness, I think, to uh, a big test. This is the true litmus test of the Sixers' home performances, right? If they can beat the Lakers at home tonight, the Lakers have been playing very well all season, but especially lately. Uh, I think they're on a two-game win streak now. If you can beat the Lakers with without Embiid, without Richardson, uh, there's truly, really something to the Wells Fargo magic. They're really like, there's no denying it at that point. Um, I'm honestly expecting a loss just because of the injuries we have and mm-hmm. that this Lakers team is rolling and um, it's going to be very hard again. But listen, you know this team has has really surprised us at home a lot this year with injuries too, even like. So I I wouldn't count us out, but you know my my gut feeling is this is probably a loss tonight and it's going to be frustrating, right? Um, but I I think this is. You know, you talk sometimes about schedule losses. This is just like a personnel loss. Mm-hmm. I think you lose two of your five starters. This is always a really, really big ask. If they somehow do end up winning this game one way or another, who do you think is the biggest contributor to that for the Sixers? I think it has to be Ben. You know, I, I think, you know, especially we've seen him without Embiid be kind of the main guy. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it would be no different tonight if, if we are to win Ben would, you know, is he going to have like a Nets game where he's, you know, 34 points all that? Like probably not, but, you know, I would expect something like, you know, 27, 11 and 10 from him, you know, if, if we're to win tonight. Um, so yeah, I, I think Ben would be you know one of the more likely guys to step up, but even Tobias, no, there's no reason he, he can't play, as, you know, to a, to a really high degree. Um, but for me, if, if we're winning, it's probably because Ben has a really, really stellar performance. And defensively, he's been locked in very, very engaged the last few weeks. So um, hopefully, you know, that we see some of that flash tonight. But this is, this is fun. It's a really fun matchup. Mm-hmm. Nice positive, too, for this matchup is that the Lakers in person have not seen Matisse Thibel yet. So I think Matisse could be kind of one of those weird X factors where his defense, uh, you know, when we went and saw them play the uh, the Raptors at home, uh, or I saw them play the Raptors and he had his kind of coming out party and had, what was it, five threes, I believe, in that, mm-hmm. that Sunday game against the Raptors early in the season. So 
I think, you know, with that kind of in hand, I think Brett needs to kind of emphasize the fact that the Lakers have not seen him on a court in front of them um, and kind of use Matisse to his strengths. Yeah, no, unfortunately, Matisse has been struggling a little bit mm-hmm. shooting as of late, which not particularly surprising. He wasn't going to be a 40% three-point shooter, uh, so he's uh, leveling out to his, his true kind of self now. But, yeah, I mean, Matisse is obviously a big X factor. And, um, again, similar to Ben, his his defensive potential on <laughs> – <laughs> Sorry, on any given night is is really fantastic, and I you know I think the Sixers generally match up really well with the Lakers when they're healthy. They match up really well with pretty much every team, um, and I I do wish Embiid was healthy for this game just because we've seen him really nullify someone like Anthony Davis, and I think LeBron you know does so much work from the post now, and having Embiid's presence would be really big. But let's not discount Horford either. I know. He's obviously had a not stellar year, but even then it's been around his career average. I don't know what the fires are all about, really. Um, you know, he is someone that can defensively work against guys like Davis, that can work against guys like LeBron. Like, I, I don't really... Obviously, like, if I had the choice to get rid of Horford, it probably we would have never signed him. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I think he's someone that can have a, a positive impact on the game tonight as well. It's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, 8.30 prime time. Probably Doris Burke in the building just because uh, LeBron is there. At least there's no Kawhi and you can't rave about his hands. She'll be talking about Jimmy Butler being in Miami for... You know you know what's <laughs> funny is like, uh, I forget what game it was that they commentated. I think it might have been the Mavs loss actually, mm-hmm. but they were like... It's just like the national media like cannot shut up about Ben. Like in his no. like like mind you, they're talking negatively about him and this was like in the first half. He steals a ball and goes on like a coast to coast dunk and they're like talking about how he can't shoot. And he's like already at this point he has like eleven points, seven assists and five rubies. Like it's like what do you Come on. <laughs> like can you just acknowledge that he's a great player? <laughs> like we I mean, yes, we know. He doesn't shoot well. We get it. <laughs> and you get the whole thing with with Zion Williamson's debut and oh he made more yeah, threes oh my in, God. in such ten an minutes. Such then. an original joke. I love it. Get over it. Um but yeah, primetime eight thirty PM on uh the old ABC Lakers Sixers at the Wells Fargo Center. Hopefully the Wells Fargo Center magic kinda kicks into overdrive a little bit for this one. Um, but not only is Joel Embiid an all-star, Travis Konechny an all-star, participated in the fastest skater competition last night, did not win, got beat out by about a second and a little bit of change um, by Matt Barzel from the New York Islanders. Um, but TK just, he had fun. He, he spoke with the media after and said that he was more nervous for last night than he is for the actual game. Uh, gritty, I guess, got out of jail in time and made it to the all-star game was blowing kisses at TK during his entire run. Uh, TK's entire family was there and they were, you know, just as excited as he was. And, uh, it was pretty cool to see a a Flyers player kind of in the skills competition and, uh, not name Claude Drew. Um, because we know Claude, he's, he's one of the best players this past, you know, decade that we've had and, um, him not being in the all-star game, you know, it was a bummer, but TK, you know, stepping up and having the season he's having is, is pretty cool to see just another player from this Flyers team finally hit that all-star mark. Yeah, I mean, it's not something we've had a whole lot in recent history. You know, like, you, we've really only had a handful of all-stars. I think Simmons made it one year. I think Voracek. Obviously, Claude has been a, a regular with the all-star game. But, um, 
yeah, I mean, it's always good when you get kind of some fresh faces and, you know, connecting you as someone that, um, you know, is really like turn it on this year. And um, obviously great to have him back. It's funny hearing him say that he was more nervous about the skating competition. That I guess it's like that's such an unusual thing typically for uh, for players to do. They're so used to playing games, right, even against the best competition. But I would imagine, yeah, like the, the skating competition is just so, so sort of different for them. Um, and I, I, it is just funny hearing him say that, that he's yes. more nervous about that. He said it kind of just got the nerves out of his system. He said most of the nervousness was because the camera was just on him and where the game, it's going to be on everybody. Yeah. Um, he's like, when you have a camera in your face just following you around the whole time, it's a little more nerve-wracking. You're, you're blending into a crowd in the game, and it's something you're very used to doing. Yeah. Uh, players are typically not used to doing something like that, right? And you even see it in the NBA when they do their skills competition, right? Some some guys maybe that you'd expect to do a lot better folding a little bit under that kind of nerve and pressure. Yeah, Claude Giroux had made the All-Star game the past two seasons, um, and this is the first non-Claude Giroux All-Star since Wayne Simmons. And then before that, it was uh, Voracek with Claude Giroux in 2015. And then 2012 um, was Giroux, Scott Hartnell, and Kimo Timonen, which was uh, just a couple seasons after, obviously, the Flyers made their uh, Stanley Cup run. But uh, TK playing in the All-Star game tonight, and uh, he said he has nothing. He has no idea what to expect. He doesn't know what the energy's like, but... Uh, he said, obviously, you're going to go out there and, and play with some tenacity and, and play with, you know, some high octane, but um, he just wants to go out there and have fun, and that's what he's been doing. Also, friend of the show, Cole Irvin, is at the All-Star Game, so if you're not following Homeland Gaming on Twitter, you should be, because uh, his gaming guys are there, courtesy of Scuff Gaming, and uh, they got to take in the skills competition last night, they're taking in the All-Star Game tonight. So make sure you follow Cole on Twitter and Homeland Gaming as well. Um, but pretty cool to see TK just doing his thing, wearing his hat backwards during the uh, the skills competition and uh, just letting that flow ride. So shout out to TK uh, making his first All-Star game. And then, Matt, I think we need a, a whole segment to pay tribute to uh, a Philadelphia Eagles fan favorite. Eli Manning calls it a career. He uh, officially retired had his press conference this week, and um, it's sad to see Eli go, even though we only got to face him one time this season, but Eli Manning finished his career at 500, 117 and 117, and it's just a, a sad day in Philadelphia Eagles history, knowing that we will not get any more Eli faces again. It is, but they thankfully drafted a very similar-looking Eli Manning and Daniel Jones, and if there's one thing we know about this Giants organization is they look poised to make very similar dumb mistakes going forward. Uh, so, you you know, obviously you're, you're losing a bit of the battle here, but the war is not lost uh, against having uh, someone to root against for the Giants. But, I mean, I think if you're being objective about it, Eli Manning has had one of the more fascinating careers in the NFL. And, I mean, he's won two Super Bowls. You can't really... You know, you win the ring, what what can you say, right? And um, one, I think, thing that we should all be thankful for, which I've seen float around Twitter, and it's true, is that he did stop the Patriots from having a perfect season. 
and true. how truly brutal that would have had to have been to live through and listen to about it. They, like Patriots fans are already so cocky. All, all Boston fans are about their teams. Um, that would have been like you still hear, still hear about the Dolphins like uh, perfect season, mm-hmm. and just just to have heard that from the Patriots would have been um, really brutal. So. Yeah. Yeah, so he did one good thing in his career, which was stopping uh, the evil empire from winning um, and, and having to hear about it for the rest of our lives. So grateful to him for that, at least. Speaking of the Patriots, Tom Brady checked in on Twitter and said, congratulations on your retirement and a great career, Eli. Not going to lie, though. I wish you hadn't won any Super Bowls. Yeah. I'm just bummed we won't see any more Eli faces, you know, standing up after getting sacked by Brandon Graham and, and Fletcher Cox and him just looking like he saw, you know, a, a million ghosts like he was Sam Darnold. Um, but, I mean, the Eagles really did have the Eli Manning's number almost every single time they played. You know, I can't even tell you the last time the Giants beat the Eagles in the regular season. Um so, I mean, throughout the, the tail end of Eli's career, the Eagles really figured him out, and obviously the Giants declined as well as a franchise because guys got older, guys left in free agency. Um, but, I mean, Eli Manning really helped the Eagles in a lot of ways to get to this stretch run for Eagles football, and uh, if they weren't as bad as they were, who knows if the, the Super Bowl happens, but um, Eli Manning, what a career. Yeah, I mean, we'll still get Manning faces, I'm sure, because I... I he'll be at games and we'll see I'm, I'm actually interested to see kind of what he does post mm-hmm. playing career if he goes into coaching or whatever I don't think he has a broadcasting future like Tony <laughs> Romo um, but yeah I'm going to be interested to see uh, what he does and I think we'll get plenty of Manning faces going forward I, I don't think we'll lose that you know whether they cut to him and you know sitting in a box or if he takes up coaching um, I think we'll still have some material to work with in the future Speaking of the NFL, if you're not following 4th and Goal USP on Twitter, you should be. They're doing a ton of Super Bowl coverage for us and Pro Bowl coverage as well. Um, Matt, did you see the images for the NFL draft and how it's going to be going down? Uh, yes, that they're going to be taking the river sticks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what an awful concept. Like, it's tr- it, that, that has to be the worst idea ever. Well, like... I just want to know how much they're being paid to do that. Too much, probably. It's um, it's very. I can just tell you, it's going to be very awkward, and uh, going to lose its glamour after like one pick. Like everyone's going to be excited to see the first one. Like, oh, he's on the boat. He's got to go. After that, it's going to be like, oh, okay. Well, like you couldn't have just built a floating platform or something. Mm-hmm. Like this is um, it's such a dumb idea. It's, it's like so it's, Vegas. It's like the NFL, like trying to be like all right we need to we need to re-engage people we need something exciting like put them in a water fountain like <laughs> it's just dumb it's just it's dumb it's gonna be good for joe burrow and that's literally it because everybody loves joe burrow he's gonna get the uh the pomp and circumstance that uh everybody wants him to have you know taking the boat ride to be the number one pick to be doomed in cincinnati for the rest of his career um but yeah it is it is one odd concept and I know I've seen a lot of people say, you know, 500 bucks to the first person to push a, a draft pick off. And the only the way this gets more Vegas is if there's, like, a buffet like, oh, on yeah. the way. <laughs> on the boat. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, you know, it's in Vegas. They, they got to do things uh, that much more extra. I think it's very and, dumb. Uh, it's, it's quite dumb. Um, 
the red carpet for the state and it's it's like they're not even being tra- like they're having to be transported to the actual draft room if you haven't seen it we've retweeted it and they're taking a boat to the actual red carpet that leads them up to the draft stage to then be handed the jersey from Roger Goodell this draft is going to last like an entire week. I can, is everyone like um you know how normally there's the tables where all the draft picks are sitting? Are they just like lifeboats floating? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's sitting in a lifeboat like. All right, hop on this one. Let's go. It's just dumb. It's literally going to take forever. And I think this is only for the first round, thankfully, but imagine the guys that fall in the draft that are in Vegas waiting to get picked. They have to wait until day two. They're gonna have to fire up the boats again. It's a mess. It's um, like it's also gonna. This has to take longer, right? Like this. This is gonna like already. The NFL draft is known for being like Jesus. You know, the first ten picks take an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Like now, you have to transport them by boat. Like what? Why not just like make it really like old Vegas and have them go on a a, a horse? Like what? What are we doing here? <laughs> like this is just dumb. It's like. This is something they would have done in, like, the 80s, where it's like, yes. oh, we're in Vegas. Like, everybody's got their white suits with their, yep. like, you know, peach undershirt. Like, why are we doing this? Like, just have them walk up to the stage. We, You don't need to reinvent the draft to make it more exciting, right? Make it a better fan experience. No one wants this. No one asked for this. Like, even if you want to have it out on the uh, the fountains of the Bellagio, just have a red have carpet. A sta- have a stage walk and, up. Yeah, have them That'd walk be cool. Up. That'd be cool. Like, yeah. it, just adding the bow is just like, why? It's so just, extra. It is. I, and the funniest part of this, this whole thing, too, is... Cleveland has the NFL draft in 2021 and have to live up to this. Well, they'll just do it on one of the Great Lakes out Lake, there. Lake Erie, right? <laughs> yeah, they'll just have, they'll have uh, uh, parasailing. The traffic will parasail <laughs> onto the stage. They'll pull them right on the shoreline by boat and just release the hook, and they'll they'll fly in. Got to do better, NFL. Got to do better. Um, but I think that's all we got for you guys today. The Wings also got a, a big win at the Wells. The Wells Fargo Center magic is working for everybody. The Flyers play better there. Sixers obviously dominating there. And the Wings are now 3-0 and at the Wells Fargo Center this season. They're 5-2. and uh, More wins this season than they had all of last year, which is very impressive. So shout out to the Wings for a big win last night. Uh, but I think that's all we got for you guys. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI. Same thing for Instagram. We have uh, a ticket giveaway for Sixers Warriors on the 28th. So that is next week. Uh, obviously, our, our boys over at the Process Potables giving away two tickets there. The guidelines on how to enter are on their Twitter page, at Process Potables. So you get two free tickets to uh, go to see the Sixers play the Warriors, potentially the Alec Burks Revenge game, or Alec Burks just sticking in Golden State. And all of Sixers Twitter will just be the stitch gif pulling his eyes down uh in anger but uh twitter instagram at underground phi you can follow matt at matt castorina you can follow me at kbizzl311 and make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on apple Podcasts. leave those five star ratings and reviews let us know your sixers trade deadline uh slash buyout targets that you want to see on this team and uh will hopefully improve this team uh for the stretch run of the season or whatever else comes to mind for you. Leave it in the podcast reviews. Five stars only, though, because we have standards. We know you do, too. And if you don't have an iPhone, you can check us out on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, or Radio.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. 
Design Tree, our merch. Go get your merch. We got the gritty right there. It's been a hot commodity since gritty, uh, you know, has been on the run from the law. Uh, it's dsgntree.com. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia. You get all of our merch on our storefront. Use the promo code DSGN5 for $5 off at checkout. We should also be at Design Tree HQ in the next week or two to do their podcast. So it's going to be a lot of fun hanging out with those guys uh, on the Treehouse. Process Potables were just there, um, which was a, a thrill of a watch on their YouTube channel. So make sure you check that out. And uh, we'll be back on Wednesday, hopefully talking about a big win for the Sixers over the Lakers. Obviously the NHL on the All-Star break. And uh, if the Eagles find their their coaching staff that they are still looking for. And we're really close to uh, pitchers and catchers, Matt. Spring training is right around the corner. Yes, we are. Can't wait. (laughs) Can't wait to see the same old faces. Uh but as always, guys, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 205. For Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace. <laughs>